I want to start by telling you one of my favorite books of all time. It's called Unbroken, and it is an amazing true story of a Olympic athlete and a World War II veteran, and it has just so many awesome moments that can just help shape that what you believe actually informs how you live, and it will end up defining you. And so if you are unfamiliar with this story, it's incredible. Uh, this Olympic runner, he is given this line by his brother uh, towards the beginning uh, of what is the book. And his brother says to him, a moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory. And this is a good coaching technique because it's like helping him like running through shin splints and all that. But at the, it becomes a more of a, of a personal ethos for him so that when he gets to the war, he has something that when things get painful, he can survive because there's a lifetime of glory waiting for him if he can survive it. And so it ends up helping him, in, especially him, because what he goes through is horrific. His plane goes uh, down over the Pacific Ocean, and he is one of three survivors out of an 11-person crew uh, of this plane wreck. And so him and these two other guys sit in a raft for 46 days. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, what happens worse is that when he ends up getting rescued, his rescuers were on the other side of the war. So he gets interned at a Japanese POW camp. And if you know anything about the POW camps of any war uh, during this time or beforehand, Conditions aren't pretty. He was pretty much used as slave labor and beaten mercilessly day in and day out, sometimes taking beatings so that other people wouldn't uh, get beaten so hard that day. And so it was his belief and conviction that I just need to endure this moment of pain and there will be a lifetime of glory. And guess what? Two years of being in the camps, he survives and he's able to go home. And that is pretty extreme, but at the same time, every action that he did came out of a belief, a, a sincere belief that he held. It became easier to wake up facing torment day in and day out when he believed that there was going to be glory. It became easier to take punishments on behalf of your fellow soldiers when you know that there's going to be glory on, when, when the war's over. All he had to do was survive. That's all he had to do. And he knew that he could survive. But in the same way, and maybe a smaller scale, every action that you all and I do comes from a sincere belief that we have, maybe even very small. When we click our seatbelt, it's because we believe that if we get in an accident, it can help protect us. If we eat a salad over a steak, it's because we believe that it's probably a little healthier and less fattening. Uh, we do these things, every action comes out of a belief. So if you would, I want you to keep that in mind while we go through the text. If you would, turn to John 3, uh, chapter 3. It's going to be on the app uh, if you're watching online, and the words will also be right here. Uh, and before I really get into the text, let me just set the stage of what's going on here. Nicod uh, this guy named Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus, and he's like, uh, Jesus, I know you're from God. I see you doing all these cool things, these miracles. I, I'm not like the other Pharisees that think you're uh, a terrible person, but I don't quite understand. What are you trying to teach us here? And Jesus responds to him, 
you will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. Nicodemus is like, well, that's gross. How can I go back into my mother's womb only to come out again? And Jesus is like, no, no, we're, we're not in the flesh, but be born again of the spirit. And Nicodemus is still not getting it. And that's when we come up right here. This is Genesis 3.14. And Moses lifted, and Jesus says, and just as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, this is the famous verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So if you believe, according to Jesus, you will be able to enter the kingdom of God because if you believe, you will be born again of the Spirit. But what is he actually asking us to believe in? Historically speaking, this has been what the church has called the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed. Uh, and I'm just going to take you through the Apostles' Creed today. It's a skinnier, shorter version of the Nicene Creed. But this is what we as a church have historically used to understand. This is what Jesus is saying, if you believe. So let's go over the Apostles' Creed real quick. We, and if you would, please say it along with me. We believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth. Now, let's just stop there. We as Christians believe in God. Is that a surprise? Uh, that, that shouldn't be, at least. But if we look a little deeper at the second half of the sentence, we believe that he is creator of heaven and earth. What does that mean? Well, that should remind you of Genesis 1, the creation narrative. When Jesus, oh, when, not Jesus, when God uh, creates the heaven and the earth, he creates light and darkness, and it's good. And then he creates the sky, and it's good. He creates land and the vegetation, and it's good. He creates the sun, moon, and stars, and it's good. He creates all the animals, and it's good. But then something different happens. He creates something in his own likeness, his image. And it's not good. It's very good. It's the pinnacle of creation. And so when we see that he is the creator, what we look about at the creation narrative is, something about God. The creeds are here to help us understand who God is. We believe that God is the creator, and by what we have read, we believe that he is very good. And does that resonate with how we live? If we believe that he's very good, that he created everything, do we treat his creation with the respect that his creation deserves? Do we treat each other as people in his image, in his likeness? Do we treat them like God? Do we treat the least of these, as Jesus would say, like we treat God? Well, before I go to the next part of the creed, it might be helpful to say what happened, because if God created everything and it's very good, that doesn't seem to be the world around us. So what did happen? Uh, a couple pages after, if you turn in your Bibles uh, in Genesis 1, go to Genesis 3, you'll see that man falls. And instead of just saying, okay, I'm cutting humanity off. I have no part in them anymore. He does something out of his very goodness. And he does something you wouldn't expect. He says, I am going to bring forth a person, a man who is going to crush the head of the serpent. He is going to deal with evil once and for all, forever and ever. So 
this has become known as the Messiah. And in Psalm 2, the Messiah is this figure that is said that he will break the wicked with a rod of iron. Could you imagine being the receiving end of a crowbar? That is the picture that is saying, don't go against this guy. He's not going to lose. And then Isaiah says, uh, has a very different picture of this Messiah, that he's going to be the suffering servant. And this is the Messiah that we read about in the creed next. So if you would with me, we believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. Now let's stop there again. Uh, This shows that suffering servant side of the Messiah that we believe is Jesus. This shows that. So if we actually believe, do we actually believe that this world matters? God is 100% human uh, through the person of Jesus. Do we actually live in a way that actually informs that belief? Do we believe that this world matters, that people's suffering and hurts matter and they need to be addressed? Or do we just explain it away as like, oh, it's just the spiritual side of things or so-called spiritual side of things? Um, But that's not all we believe about Jesus. So on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Okay, let's pause there one last time on Jesus. Uh, So we also believe that he is 100% God. And let me explain that for a second. The ancient Near Eastern cultures, they had a very different understanding of what a king is supposed to be. Uh, and I'll explain why I bring up the idea of a king. A king, if, uh, if you remember from high school, what are the three branches of government? Legislative, executive, and judicial. Well, a king was all three of those. He was your Congress, he was your president, and he was your Supreme Court. It was his job to make laws. It was his job to command the armies and the police force to make sure people follow the laws and he was it was also his job to uh, hear disputes of the people well the king had the special role also in most near eastern cultures of being god or for some one of a pantheon of gods but for jews because we uh they were a monotheistic society they believed that the uh, messiah was the representation of God. So when we say that we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, we're also saying that he is not just 100% human. He is, but he's also 100% God, and he's king, and that he will come to judge the living and the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. When we pray to God, do we pray to Christ in a sense, do we believe that we are actually being heard by the king of the universe? when we pray. Finally, if you haven't been able to tell with the way the creeds are, it's structured. Uh, It's structured so that you understand God, God the Father, the Creator, God the Son, the King. But the third part is God the Holy Spirit. Now, this is something that we don't tend to talk about. We like to talk about God the Father. We like to talk about Jesus. But we don't often talk about Holy Spirit. But it's just, it is just as equally important to understand and believe this for the Christian walk. Otherwise, you're not really walking a Christian walk. 
the Christian walk is completely Trinitarian. And so, if you would read with me this last part, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. This hit home personally for me when I was studying abroad in England because I grew up Catholic, I grew up in Christian circles, I understood Jesus, I understood God the Father, but it wasn't until I understood the Holy Spirit that everything clicked. Because really what's going on here is extremely important for any Christian today. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Nicene Creed goes on to say, from that line, who spoke through the prophets. That is your Bible. Do you believe that what, that, what God has said has brought, uh, has meaning to your life? This is the first time for me when I gravitated to this. I was like, oh, wow, there's wisdom here. And I, now I understand why this book is different than any other book. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. When I understood the Holy Spirit is because it, it, it changes everything. The, whenever a person believes, they receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you are a member of the, whole, of the church. You are a member of the body. The classic symbol for the Holy Spirit is a dove, but that's not exactly 100% true. The Holy Spirit's physical presence is the church. So when I learned that that is important, that the church is important. It, it makes it this, the body more important than just a place that you come on Sundays. It, it's part of your identity, which goes into that next part, the forgiveness of sins. The Nicene Creed explains it in terms of baptism. And like the word baptize means literally in Greek to dip. So like if you drip a white cloth into purple dye, it will never be a white cloth again. It'll be purple forevermore. The same idea applies. This is your new identity. Through the Holy Spirit, you are someone completely new. You are forgiven of your past. You are no longer that. You are living in the Spirit as well. And then the whole hope, what Jesus ends on life everlasting, is the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting here. The entire thing all culminates to this. Because uh, uh, the real Christian hope isn't heaven. I think that surprises a lot of people. The real Christian hope is not heaven. The real Christian hope is that someday when Jesus returns, the entire church body will be resurrected and we will live with God in a new heaven and new earth where there is no sin, there's no suffering, there's no shame, but it is as very realistic and real as this present world is today. That is what Jesus is saying. Do you believe? For whoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So let's go back to what Jesus said real quick. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's how we're supposed to believe. And so to help paint that picture, I'm going to explain what Jesus means here, because it's a little confusing if you don't know your, your uh, Pentateuch. Uh, Jesus brings up a story. It's a very short story from the book of Numbers and the Torah. And I'm just going to read it here because it's very short. From Mount Hor, the, the Jews, the people are in the wilderness. They've already left slavery, but they're going into the promised land. And it's in that 40-year window. 
they sent out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt just to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and there is no water and we loathe this worthless food, talking about the manna that God had provided. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, okay, we have sinned for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, then when he sees it, he shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. It was really this simple. The people of Israel got a choice. Uh, you're mad at Moses, you're mad at God, but there's this way out if you got bitten. Do you believe that Moses speaks for God? Do you believe God will save you? Uh, it's perfectly understandable if you're thinking, I got bit, my feet are swollen, I only probably got a few minutes to live, I want to spend my last few moments here in comfort around my family. Do you believe that? Because I couldn't understand why a lot of people did that. On the other hand, if you did believe what Moses said, you're going to do everything you can to get to that snake. You're going to get to that statue of that snake so that you can see it. Even if it's 50 yards away and you have terrible eyes, you're going to get as close as you can. You're going to hobble if you can. If you can't hobble, you'll have somebody drag you. That's how important it is because a belief in an urgent matter requires such an urgent response. And that is the same way that Jesus is saying that we need to believe in him and his gospel, his works, what he's here for. Do we believe as a church? Do we believe that other people are created by God and we're treating them? Or do we believe that we're treating God's institution, the church, like a presence of his Holy Spirit? Or do we believe that my, my uh, momentary conveniences are more important at the moment. What do we do? Be, uh, believe, because it really informs an action. An action will always bubble up. And when there's an urgent matter to believe in, it requires an urgent response. So I want to close this our time. Uh, Louis Zamperini, when he got back from the war, uh, he thought all he had to do was survive all his pain and he was going to have a lifetime of glory. But he turns, he learned when he got home that his personal ethos was wrong. At least, at best, it was incomplete. Because when he got home, he realized that he was suffering what we call now PTSD. He was waking up with nightmares. He turned to alcohol and, and became a, a crippling alcoholic. He became an abusive husband and father. In fact, his wife threatened to leave him, and so he reluctantly uh, goes to this Billy Graham event, and he hears the news that I've just been talking about, that there is hope, that there is real hope through the power of God that really only comes through God. There is real hope when you believe in Christ. And the actions, when he accepted that, came out of him. So much so that 50 years after the war, he goes back to Japan 
uh, bearing the Olympic torch in the 98 Olympics, and he meets many of his former abusers and talks to them individually and has told them, I have been praying for you for 50 years and you are forgiven. That is something that doesn't happen unless you have the power of God. The belief you have will bring out actions, but what kind of actions do you want it to bring out? And so with that, I want to uh, offer, if you are like me, uh, when going to England, or like Louis, when he came back from war, that if you realize what you've been believing is at best incomplete, I want you to pray this with me, just personally in your heart. We believe, God, we believe in you, God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. Under Pontius Pilate, he was crucified, died, and was buried, and he descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. We believe God. Amen.